Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the 20th, 2020. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday as we break down South Carolina's 30-22 win over the 15th-ranked Auburn Tigers, and we also look ahead as South Carolina travels to Baton Rouge. We'll talk about the game this weekend as the Gamecocks look to make it three straight wins when they take on the LSU Tigers at Tiger Stadium this weekend. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Service is really what makes Upstate Movers Group stand out, guys. So they're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company. And they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average. So everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They also have dedicated professional crew members and they offer black glove service as well, which means they offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. Like I said, guys, they're going to take care of you. The service side of things is what separates Upstate Movers Group and makes them the best option for your moving needs. Oh, by the way, they were also founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni. You know we're all about helping Gamecocks on the show. Gamecocks helping Gamecocks. Like I said, founded by USC alumni, founded by Greenville Natives. They also offer 20 years of project management and moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply don't have the skills for. Guys, go check them out, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Again, guys, founded by Greenville Natives and USC alumni. We're all about Gamecocks, helping Gamecocks. Whenever you need your moving services, whether you're in the upstate or just around the state of South Carolina, contact Upstate Movers Group. Again, that's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out, upstatemoversgroup.com, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Yardware. Guys, Yardware is a veteran-owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina themselves, so a very big deal, and they're selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. So these signs, extremely high quality. I'm looking at the one right now in my studio. It is fantastic. This thing is awesome. They're made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. So whatever you fancy, whichever color you can get either. Football season's in full swing. The holidays are right around the corner. Christmas is upcoming. You can get yours today. This is a must-have for any Gamecock fan, by the way. Like I said, I'm looking at mine hanging in my studio. It looks awesome, I might add. It looks absolutely awesome. Any Gamecock fan, you know, if you're not going to get it for yourself, which if you're not, you're making a mistake, but you should get it for yourself. Any Gamecock fan in your life that you know, they are going to absolutely love this thing. Guys, you can check it out. Order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. That's YardwareSigns.com. And tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
All right, joining us today is he does each and every single Tuesday, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath. Alex here to help me break down South Carolina's 30-22 to win over the 15th-ranked Auburn Tigers. We'll also look ahead to the game this weekend as South Carolina goes on the road. Another big opportunity as they take on LSU. But first things first, Alex, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. How was your weekend? It was a good weekend, my man. It was a good weekend. Nice to get a Gamecocks W. Got a lot of yard work done. Just the boring old adult stuff we all find ourselves doing these days. So it was good. it was a good weekend. Weather was absolutely perfect. Yeah, it was. I also want to tell you this. I didn't know if you knew this, Alex, but today this is actually episode three hundred of the Spurs Up Show. Hey. So I, there's nobody I'd rather be spending episode three hundred with than you. <laughs> hey, especially talking about a dub. We we couldn't be spending yeah, it much worse off. So yeah, but officially. Episode 300, man. Crazy. 300 episodes. Congratulations. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> wow, of right. That's, you got to celebrate the small victories, man. Yeah, 300. That's, that's a lot when you think about it. But overall, again, like I said, I'm glad we get to talk about a W because South Carolina gets the 30-22 to 22 win over the Auburn Tigers. Um, Alex, first things first, I'll ask you. I, obviously, this game started out a little bit rough. First quarter was not friendly to South Carolina. You take a look at this overall game, um, and there's a lot we can break down, a lot I want to get into. But overall, I felt really good about this game at halftime when I knew that South Carolina did not play a great first half of football at all, and they were only down two points. It's crazy, Alex, because I feel like everything I thought would happen in this game sort of came to fruition. Just, again, we're going to get to the specifics in just a second, but I talked about all week, and we talked about – how important this game was, what it meant for the program. We all knew the program was going to go one of two directions. The season's going to go one of two directions. And it felt like one of those games Will Muschamp and company just had to have. Again, Auburn 15th ranked, but they were only a three-point favorite. Everybody was picking South Carolina. I'm sure you saw that on social media stuff. Everybody was picking South Carolina. It felt like one you had to have, and you get it. Just talk about the overall – picture I guess what this win getting this win at home means for this South Carolina program in in year five of Will Muschamp I mean it's it's huge in terms of momentum I mean because you were really like the the first two weeks I mean like those were games that you were in and you had a chance to win at the end and you know it just didn't happen you go on the road you smoke Vanderbilt you get that confidence rolling again you go in and you know you take Auburn's best shot in the first quarter you fight your way back into it and then you end up cruising to a victory at the end. I think from a, you know, from a confidence building standpoint, I think that was huge, absolutely huge. And so, you know, now you're walking into LSU having taken down an SEC Titan and you're going to face another one. So that confidence just continues to build and build through these last two weeks. So, you know, we find ourselves in a, in a pretty good spot here, despite how we kind of started the year. Now, selfishly as a football fan, Alex, I talked about one of the big matchups in this game to watch was J.C. Horn against Seth Williams. That that was one I really talked about. And I, you know, I didn't know how much we were going to get to see that on display because I was just thinking to myself, you know, teams really haven't gone at J.C. They haven't thrown at J.C. So, you know, who knows how much we see. Um, I want to ask you because you were on a team when you were at South Carolina, you were on teams with some really good defensive backs. I mean, I think of Jonathan Joseph, Fred Bennett, Coe Simpson, uh, Captain Munnerlyn, amongst a host of others. Talk about J.C. Horn, his game. Obviously, he blows up on Saturday, two interceptions ever, after having zero career interceptions coming in. Talk about J.C. Horn. What you, I joked on the Monday show, this show is brought to you by J.C. Horn. 
this is the podcast that J.C. Horn built today because, again, obviously, if he doesn't have that day, South Carolina doesn't win that football game. But just talk about J.C. Horn, what you see in his game. I'm really happy that his skill set was, was able to be put on a national stage. Now, I think everyone has taken recognition of the type of player he is. But where does he compare in your – does he compare to any guys that you've seen on the field for South Carolina? Or just what, what type of player do you look at and see J.C. Horn as? See, that it's such a hard comparison, too, because I feel like, well, you know, finally that demon is slayed where he just didn't have a career interception right. at South Carolina. But at the same time, like every time you saw a statistic for him, it was like, for whatever reason, quarterbacks or opposing quarterbacks didn't even throw in his general direction. And it's like mm-hmm. you finally get a matchup where somebody's going to feature a receiver that he's covering and he plays out of his mind. It was a very it was a Maquamu esque type of performance from last year and you know i'm just but comparatively i that's a good question um because like you know probably fred bennett more than anybody else than captain i mean because he's so much taller than captain monerlin is so i don't really know that you can make that comparison but probably more on the fred bennett vein if i was going to compare it to anybody how how shocked were you they kept going his way? I I, I just I was you know, just stunned. I was absolutely I mean because I, and, I don't know if it was Bo Nix just being Bo Nix or Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris are hard headed, but like I understand you want to get the football to your best player. Like I and Seth again, that was a great matchup. Like those are two guys that are going to be playing in the NFL. But at some point you have just got to tip your cap to a guy and say, We are not going back his way again. You just can't. And I mean I really thought going in this game, if you could get pressure on Bo Nix, not even sack him, but get in his face a little bit, get him out of the pocket, and he showed you on Saturday, it rained to be true, he's a gunslinger, he will put it in harm's way, and he did that. I, I was happy to see, and I thought this going in the game, but that South Carolina's secondary was going to be good enough to make him pay for it. And you saw J.C. do it. Was just, it was stunning to me to see them continue to try J.C. Horn over and over again. It was like, at some point, you got to realize – this is his day, man. This this is just his day. It was. It was. Especially that. Was it the last one that he almost returned for a touchdown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe that throw. Yeah. That was that was just bad. But, yeah, just to keep, like, winging it out there at him, especially, like, where where Seth Williams was and where J.C. was standing, I just I have no idea what he saw. But he yeah. just launched it that way, and that worked. Now, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball a little bit, Alex. As far as, you know, I know we talk about Colin Hill a lot. He had a very pedestrian game as far as the stat line will show. Really offensively, you kind of had a pedestrian game as the stat line will show. You had under 300 total yards. You got outgained by Auburn in the football game. But I, I thought what you saw this South kind of offense do is be, and really the defense the entire team, is be very opportunistic. They made Auburn pay for all their mistakes those two touchdowns in the first half, 14 points off of Bo Nix turnovers. Talk about, though, yeah. I, I really feel like the difference with this football team this year, and we've talked about it before, but the steady hand of Colin Hill. He's not throwing them out of football games. He's keeping them in games. And it's not the flashiest thing in the world. It's not the most entertaining thing in the world. But, again, I talked about it coming in this Auburn game, what made me feel good about South Carolina's chances. I really do feel like you finally have an identity. You ran it more than you threw it. You ran for 153 yards. I think they had like 43 or 44 rushing attempts compared to 24, I think, passes. And I love what I'm seeing from the offense, again, as far as the identity and just being stingy in the running game, 
understanding what works, understanding, you know, that there are some limitations offensively. I mean, hey, Shy Smith, tip of the cap again. He balled out. I mean, he had a fantastic day. You know, still outside of him, you really don't have a clue who your other go-to guys are. And still week after week, and I think, again, it does come back to Colin Hill and his steady hand, you're able to put enough points on the board to win. I mean, you score 30 points, and I would say you didn't even really have a, a banner offensive day of any sort. Yeah, I, I think the total yards numbers, I mean, it was more or less plus 200 for Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit misleading just because, like you said, the turnovers gave you a short field where you're right, able to right. capitalize and get points in that fashion. But, you know, I was very happy to see a Josh Van sighting. Yeah, one catch. How about he's, it? <laughs> he's still on the <laughs> he's team. He's not a missing person anymore. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and again, going back to you, like Colin, Colin Hills just played really, really well. Like he's not – He's doing exactly what they're asking him to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were talking about him versus Holinsky before the season started, that was, you know, the entire crux of the argument was he understands this offense and he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. And at the end of the day, that's what the coaches are going to trust to put out there. And he's played beautifully. I mean, he's, he's, he's he threw some dimes where Saturday, people can catch it. Yeah. He, he threw some absolute dimes on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, that, oh, yeah. That no, fade I mean, route in, to Shy, I know it was an offsides, and it's like, you know, just throw it up. That was a dime in the back of the end zone. It so, was. Yeah. It was a beautiful – I mean, even the ones he was throwing down the sidelines to him, um, yeah. there was that one in the first quarter uh, that uh, Xavier Leggett did not come down with. Mm-hmm. And then – which, you know, I, I wouldn't consider that a drop. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a 50-50 ball you're throwing yeah, yeah. up there. But even the one he threw to Shy on third down in the fourth quarter, I mean mm-hmm. – you're putting the, that's all you can ask to do is put the ball in a place where your receiver can go make a play. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing. And, you know, when you got somebody like Shy Smith standing out there, do, do you that, look at, that's going to be a successful strategy. Do you kind of look at Shy as like a Kenny McKinley type? <sighs> yeah. I, I know I that's, that's a tough comparison, comparison, but yeah. I, I feel like that's the guy that like, I think of just former South Carolina receivers. And I'm like, he's that, that kind of player that makes sense he is he definitely like Kenny didn't get a bunch of jump balls and that right. probably had more to do with like Sydney being on the yeah. other side um but you know I, I'm just so glad we're throwing that because I know we were talking about that you know the you know just throwing eight balls last year that right. we, it wasn't really something we ever did and right. even with Brian Edwards standing out there so I'm glad to see that has worked its way into the fold mm. now Alex I know both of us were very we had our doubts. Uh, we had our questions. And just call it frankly, we were a little bit skeptical when Mike Bobo was hired for the offensive coordinator job. I'm not, I, I don't want people to overreact to the Auburn win because, listen, I, you know, again, I'm not taking anything away. And I think Gamecock fans, you're tuning in. I said this on the Monday show. I'll say it again. You should be ecstatic. You should be thrilled. You should be happy. You should be soaking this in. You just beat a top 15 team at home. Nobody can take that away from these players, the staff, the fan base, whatever but not overreacting to the Auburn win. Do I think Auburn was really the 15th best team in the country? No. Um, and I don't want to overreact in making this statement, but Alex, through four games, I would argue or ask you, it was Mike Bobo the best assistant coaching hire of the offseason? I mean, because I, I just, yes, the defense was opportunistic Saturday. Yes, they've been, you know, they, they've played some solid football all season. We've seen the third down percentages and what they've been able to do stopping the opponents. But I just feel like the offense, the improvements the offense has made from last year to this year 
is the reason this engine is going right now. Again, your offense isn't playing you out of football games. Like they're giving you a chance, you know, where, where I feel like last year, yeah, you had some defensive talent for sure. I mean, again, that was the big, you know, you looked at the defensive stats last year and they were really misleading because your defense was on the field 35, 36 minutes a game. Now I just feel like with Bobo, with establishing the identity, you know, obviously bringing Colin Hill, that's a big piece of it. Like I said, I would argue, and again, I don't want to overreact because there's a lot of football left to be played. But as of right now, you know, I talked about this when I talked to Eric Kimry last week. I've been pleasantly surprised. I didn't think at any point this season we would be averaging 30 points per game. That, that to me, is astounding. And I don't know, man. I, I just look at this, and I think as of right now, Bobo, that, that's got to be looked at as one of the best hires of the offseason by, by any staff in, in the country. I'm going to reserve judgment there because I can't get over not over yet, Florida, not but I yet. am pleasantly, I am pleasantly surprised by, and, and like, I know we've talked about this too, but like at the end of the day, you know, for the last three years, I, you know, it, it hasn't been like world beater recruiting classes, but mm. they've been good recruiting classes. Yeah. And like, I just think we have good players. Mm at the end of the day. And like, maybe, you know, Colin Hill is a missing piece to that where it's yeah. somebody with a ton of experience that can put the ball where it needs to be put. And I think yeah. that has a ton to do with it. I mean, I don't think Mike Bowe is like a bad coach or like a bad hire, but you know, it, it you know, I, I think he's been a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. Thus far. We, we were that. skeptical because it's never really worked under Will Muschamp. So, and, and that Correct. was the big question I had in the off season was, is Mike Bobo going to be the guy to, quote-unquote, resurrect Will Muschamp's head coaching career. And I, I would honestly say through four weeks, Bobo has been the primary reason that this thing has, has even clicked to the point that it has. Now, again, there's a lot of football left. How do you build off of this, which I want to talk to you about in just a second. One last thing on the Auburn game, though, and I, I talked about the defense, and really I saw this from the entire football team. But, you know, it's funny, Alex. Sunday afternoon I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine. And I saw a lot of this on social media, too, people talking about Shai Smith. and Because, I mean, you watch the – he's a guy that chirps. He chirps a lot. He talks a lot of crap. He, I mean, that's part of his game. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people on social media that were uh, less than pleased <laughs> with that. They were less than pleased with that and being critical. And I totally understand. Like, you know as a football player – Football is a game of channeled aggression. Like, you can't just be aggressive and create. you got to channel that aggression into making good football plays and being a good player. I will say this, though, and I think having DJ Swearinger on the show last week sort of leads me to this. Is I, I thought to myself, when is the last time we had that type of edge? When is the last time we had that type of swagger, that type of confidence? And for the first time in a while, not just from Shy, but I saw it from JC, I saw it from Shiloh Sanders, I saw it from Keir Thomas, I saw it from Kevin Harris, the way he runs the ball. I saw it from a ton of guys. This entire football team, I saw a team playing with an edge. I, I really thought we played with an edge on Saturday. I, you know, because I feel like every game has a tone, has a tempo to it, has a kind of the way the game is going to go. And again, for the first time in forever, like I watched back on that game, like we were the team that set the tone in that game. We were the team, Joe. And I, I agree with the, you know, the people 100%. You can't get a 15 yard penalty, and especially if you're Shy Smith. Like, you're our best player, bro. We cannot afford you getting thrown out of the game. But just talk about that, what you saw. What, I mean, because to me, that might be the biggest takeaway. That might be an even bigger takeaway to me for outside of anything that happened on the field statistically to see a South Carolina football team, because one of my keys to the game was embrace the moment, to see a team that showed up. And I really felt like 
embraced the moment. The opportunity was there, and they took it. And like we said, we're starting to see a team, I feel like, play with some confidence, play with an edge. And I think if you do that, and again, you got to be smart. You got to channel that aggression accordingly. But if you can carry that edge with you into the rest of the games this season, I think you've got an opportunity to win a lot of football games this year. Yeah, I, I, th- I certainly think like channeling the aggression and having that edge to you, um, like I, I don't have an issue with that. I think where I think I did, like ultimately, I think where I have an issue with it is when those antics come out and we're down yeah, by three I touchdowns. Agree. I agree. And yeah. it's just, or like you're out of the game and you're over there, like mm-hmm. John with somebody. And, you know, if, you, if you're, and, and, you know, like looking at somebody like DJ Swearinger, like when they're doing that, you know, we're going 11 and two. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we, we are like setting the tone before it even starts. Mm. So I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, people playing with that edge. It just, it's, and I may be wildly wrong on this, but in, you know, certainly correct me, but it just seems like shy gets into a jawing match every three or four plays, no matter what the he, situation He gets into is. him a lot. He gets into him a lot. I will say for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, so that I, I think that's the only downside to is being able to control that. Yeah, to it's where, a love hate thing because I, I mean I love the fact he plays the chip on his shoulder, but like you got to have some self awareness. Like no, and I and I want to say I agree with you. I mean, if you would have been you know chirping like you did and we lost by twenty one, yeah, I have a major problem with that. But I, I guess just in the sense of again, one of my big questions in this game was: Are we going to show up when the lights are brightest? Show up and show out, or? are we going to fall flat on our face again? Like, like we've done so many times before with Will Muschamp as the head coach, especially. And just to see a team, like I said, come out, embrace. I mean, again, that, that chirping and stuff is well-received when you're winning. No, no question. Uh-huh. I mean, DJ, DJ Swearinger, one of the most infamous, maybe the most famous play of his career, he got a 15-yard penalty on, but nobody cares because you won the game. And like you said, Correct. you won 11 games that year. So it's a lot different when you're winning versus you're not. But – you did win. You did beat Auburn. And, like, I, I just think playing – maybe edge is even the wrong – playing with that confidence. Like, playing with the confidence I saw that team playing with. And, I, and I, I'll tell you this analogy, Alex, and see what you think. I, I equated this team when I was talking last week to a really talented hitter in baseball who's kind of in a slump. And this could really apply to any sport because the question is, what comes first, success or confidence? Because to have success, you need to be confident. But you're going to be confident if you have success, right? So it's like what comes first. So to see a football team out there, I, I thought Carolina played very confidently on Saturday, and you get the win. Maybe this can serve as a snowball effect, which kind of leads me into my next point because I wanted to ask you, you know, this game eerily reminded me of last year against Georgia. And I know the opponent was different. The ranking was different. You weren't a 24-and-a-half-point underdog, and everybody was picking you to win this week but kind of how the game played out, you know what I mean, as far as, you know, J.C. Horn has the Izzy game, and, you know, you find a way to get the win. It's not always pretty at times. You get out game just like you did last year. And it's, again, you find yourself in a very interesting spot because last year after you beat Georgia, you were 3-3 three and three with six games remaining. This year you beat Auburn. You are 2-2 two and two with six games remaining. So now the question turns from yeah. – now the question turns from, okay, awesome, you beat number 15 Auburn, that's great. Now what do you do with it? Now what do you do with it? And, and I think, obviously, we know how it finished up last year. I think you, what, you lost uh, five of your last six. You lost to Appalachian State. I mean, it, it, the wheels fell off very, very quickly. What do you, I guess, what do you want to see from this team going into the LSU game? Because 
I think this team is built so much differently than last year's. I think this team is so much better. Like, I'm not necessarily worried we're going to see the quote-unquote wheels fall off at any point. But after a big win like this, and you can equate it to when you were at South Carolina, like, you obviously can't rest on your laurels and get too high. How do you want to see this team channel and use this game, use the confidence from this football game to go throughout the rest of the 2020 season? Well, I mean, just just as you said, just to build that confidence, because at the end of the day, and what's been so interesting to watch throughout this season is like, I mean, whether you think Tennessee's any good or not, you know, mm-hmm. for them to get whacked like they Blasted did two weeks in a row and lose by 27 to Kentucky <laughs> at home. You know, and then you and then you watch like LSU, you know, get beat on the road at Missouri. Uh, you watch them, you know, get beat at home by Mississippi State. Mississippi State, the wheels are completely off of the leash. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, uh, wagon train. So like, you just, I think you 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 play with that confidence in that you. It doesn't matter like who you're playing, where you're playing. You know, because everything is so fluky right now. So being able to carry that confidence through, I mean, you may be able to beat some teams that nobody in the world would have thought you could have beaten otherwise. And so, you know, steamrolling Vanderbilt, beating Auburn, no matter what Auburn does from here, right. just provides you that spark. Hmm. And it's it's a spark in the locker room that like, hey, we won two in a row. We know we can do this. We can go in there. And if we want to, we can push LSU around just like we pushed around Auburn. And having that confidence and executing all those plays you just did to score those points, to get those turnovers, that carries you through into the LSU game. Assuming, of course, that the football team didn't go to whatever party that was that had 400 people in the street and now they all have COVID. Yeah, you know what's funny? That's literally down the road from me, that video that was released. I mean, it's literally like two minutes away from me. So – yeah, I saw that. And I, was I, like, I, I, I was like, this is going to go over I saw that really video and I well. Was like, There's no way we play next week. There's no way. There's going to be like 30 <laughs> positive tests. I was like, this this is going to go over really well once. And I, I was watching uh, the Braves last night, and they were like, local news at 11, party. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. This is going really, yep. really well. Um, we talked about a little bit <laughs> off air, Alex. I want to talk to you because I'm, I'm really – this LSU game is really intriguing. Line comes out, LSU is a seven-point favorite, which, you know, I, I totally understand. I think LSU, they've struggled, but they're still a really good football team. They've had a couple of weeks to get ready for you now, um, you know, not of their own doing, obviously, the COVID stuff coming up in the Florida game. But they've had a couple of weeks to get ready for you now. It's at home, at night, at Tiger Stadium. Again, I know it's only 20% capacity, but it's going to be raucous. I mean, bottom line, they're going to sh- those LSU people are going to show up. It's an intimidating environment, as we talked about. And again, this is a really interesting perspective because you were on the team that went to LSU in 2007, um, and I'm sure everybody remembers that game from the fake field goal. We all remember that, um, the trick play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you played that. You guys played there in a 3:30 kickoff, so it wasn't a night game, thankfully. But just talk about the the challenge that awaits South Carolina because again, South Carolina has been really close. I mean, we we all think back to that 2012 LSU game where South Carolina, I think, was what yeah. second or third in the country. Went there the week after beating Georgia 35 to 7 and fell up just short. Again, really tough place to play. Like, I'm, I'm not knocking them or holding it against them. That is an extremely tough place to play. But j- just talk about it again. You've been there, you've been in that stadium. Talk about the challenge that awaits South Carolina simply just going on the road and playing in Death Valley. I mean, it's hard to go on the road anyway, just because you're, you're flying, you're staying in hotels, you got to keep your focus 
you know, kind of about you. I mean, it's not like they're not going to be out like partying in Baton Rouge or anything like that. But at the same time, like looking at it from, you know, 2007, 2012, the 20% capacity is, I mean, 20% capacity, right, yeah. depending on, you know, <laughs> loosely, if Texas loosely. A&M standards or not. Um, you know, it, it, that that's, you know, that's huge in our favor. And it may be raucous, it may be loud, but it's not going to be like it would be in Tiger Stadium at night. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the best thing I could say about the environment. <laughs> so uh, when I, I first uh, started working, I was in training with a guy who went to LSU and he described it absolutely perfectly. Um, he said, uh, the drunkest that you have ever been in your entire life is a Tuesday for most LSU students. So I think that's kind of what you're walking uh, into there. <laughs> the rowdiest atmosphere you could think of. I, I, I'll ask you specifically about the game, not just again, the atmosphere, whatever the, the uh, you're, you're facing the defending national champs. I mean, that, that's a hell of an opportunity. You, get, you have an opportunity to defeat the defending national champions. And again, they're a seven point favorite. And I, I know they lost a lot, still have a lot of talent though. Miles Brennan's a very capable quarterback, Derek Stingley, on the defensive side is one of the, the best defensive backs in the country. I think the individual matchups on the outside are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, my question for South Carolina going in this game, Alex, is more so around the offensive side of the ball. Because really what scares me again, and we've seen it, if LSU can take Shy Smith away, and uh, listen, again, no disrespect to J.C. Horn, Derek Stingley is one of the best defensive backs in the entire country. I mean, he, he is a legitimate, bona fide, stud, first-round draft pick, all that stuff. If they're able to take away Shy Smith, what is South Carolina's second punch? What, what is their other go-to? And I wonder offensively what they'll be able to do. You know, what's really interesting about this game, though, Alex, is I, I said last year, again, relating it back to that Georgia upset, I said after last year, you know, because you had Florida right after and then Tennessee, and I said if you lose the next two, you sort of – undo everything you did in Athens like you need to be able to at least win one of the next two you need to be able to translate this win into positive momentum into getting more wins and again we all know what happened with Florida with the refs whatever and then Tennessee you just get blasted on the road I don't think if you lose to LSU necessarily it really you know uh takes away from beating I mean this this is going to be a really tough game as we know but what are you looking for specifically from this football team and again it's another big-time opportunity, a nationally televised game. You're the underdog yet again. But certainly, it's, it's, this is not the LSU team of last year. I certainly do look at this as a toss-up game. But what are a few things? Are there, are there anything specifically you're looking for from the Gamecocks in this game in Baton Rouge? Well, I mean, if, if all, you know, just right off the bat, like if we can consistently run the ball with Kevin Harris, mm. that really takes a ton of the pressure off of Shai Smith and allows you to kind of spread some of that around because you're not leaving yourself – you're leaving yourself in third and manageable. Mm-hmm. And that really opens up the playbook tremendously and kind of gives you a lot more confidence. If you find yourself behind the sticks. So hypothetically, you know, if we're not able to generate any kind of ground game and we find ourselves in a lot of third and eight, third and nine, third and tens, that's where that's going to rear its ugly head. So I think, you know, from a game planning perspective, I think the entire goal of it would be to get yourself in third and five or better most of the time. And that really opens everything up to where you can run, reverses with Dak or you can hit Nick Muse over the middle for a quick hitter and you're not having to go down the field all the time to you know Xavier Leggett, Josh Van and Shai Smith where they can take one of those where they can take your main one away from you so I would tell you that's going to be more than likely the goal 
this week in practice. And, you know, based on what we've seen through the first four weeks of the season, I think that's going to hundred percent be what the game plan is. Yeah. And I, I think one of the stories defensively too, for South Carolina will be Israel McCormick's health. I mean, you really need yeah, all hands big. on. And that's, that's the crazy thing when you think about it, South Carolina did what they did against Auburn defensively without McQuamu. I mean, it's insane. We well, had some young guys. They wouldn't throw it to anybody, but right. uh, Seth Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, I will say, J.C., obviously, he had the game he had, but you had some young guys step up in the secondary, and John Dixon and Shiloh Sanders looks better and better week Play after week. And um, so you've got some pieces there. Like you said, we know, you know, we know that South Carolina's recruited at a pretty decent – I mean, a top-20 clip. There's talent on that football team. It's about putting them in the right spots. I, I have to think, though, in closing here, Alex, I have to think Miles Brennan and Ed Orgeron are not going to be that stupid and throw it at J.C. Horn again. Like, there's just no way you can watch the film from that game last week and go, yeah, this is the guy we're going to try to pick on. Like, There's just no way. Well, I don't even know that it's necessarily they're going to try to pick on him. I think it's the matchup we can kind of dictate with our coverage alignments and saying, like, right. you know, their go-to guy is always going to be on J.C. Like, like you would try to take away Shai Smith, right? right. Yeah. Which is harder, Which is harder to do. <laughs> which, you know, we may have witnessed coaching malpractice on the other side this week because, like, if you're not going to shift, you know, Seth Williams around to the slot and always keep him on the outside like that, I mean, that's the advantage that we have with Shy is that he can play in the slot and he can play outside. If, you know, their, you know, go-to guy is only going to line up on the outside, that's not going to work because it's going to be J.C. Horn's going to be standing on top of him every single play. Alex, before I get you out of here, one last fun question because you mentioned the Auburn side of things. Whose seat do you think is hotter, Will Muschamp or Gus Malzahn's? <laughs> Dude. Like, it's funny to me that Auburn people hate him as much as they do. He, I mean, look. Here's it, the thing. He has beaten Alabama just enough to keep his job. That, that's, that's the entire reason he still has a job there, though. 100%. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, too. Like, if we had played the national championship in 2013, I right. assure you that Will Muschamp's half oh, yeah, seat yeah. would not be hot. Right, 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 right. No, for sure. That winning cures all. But it's just, God, I mean, I, you know, I talk about the Mike Bobo hire and how great of a hire. God, that Chad Morris hire just looks pitiful. It looks terrible. I mean, Bo Nix is a shell of himself this season. I mean, granted, give all the credit to South Carolina's defense, but Auburn just looks inept. I mean, offensively, really. It's 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 a bad. It's a tough look. It, <laughs> I'll say that. It's um, but it's kind of weird too because like when you watch that offense, like does that look like Chad Morris offense or does that look like? Chad Morris elements in a Gus Malzahn offense. I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I you know, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I mean, they're, they're having some major issues, which, I, again, 2020 is crazy. That's why, you know, people ask me, oh, do you think South Carolina could win out? You think that? I'm like, let's let it play out week to week because things we think we know now, they change. You know, things that are true now are not, may not, may not. Hey, after the Florida game, some people were saying we're going to win one game this year. So, like you said, don't overreact. Too. <laughs> yeah, don't overreact. Savor the victory. There's a lot of positives to pull, but I will still say this South Carolina football team, still an imperfect football team. Obviously, things to work on, but hey, you get a huge win at home. Now you go on the road with another, again, another huge opportunity. Yeah, here you go. Stage is set. Night game in Baton Rouge. That's all what you can ask gonna, for. What are you gonna do? That's all you can ask for. All you can ask is the opportunity to do it. And We'll see if Muschamp and company, Colin Hill, that entire crew, they can get the job done. Alex, as always, man, appreciate you. I'll tell you, I'll say, I'll say this yeah, too, real quick before we get out yeah. of here. The biggest indictment of Chad Morris, maybe that Arkansas might be good. I mean, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs>
I think they are, honestly. <laughs> like, like, because I like at the beginning of the season, like Georgia's down there, kind of playing to a stalemate in the first half, and I was like, oh, maybe Ar- maybe Georgia's way down, and then yeah. Arkansas seems they should be what three and one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that may be the biggest indictment of Chad Morris. <laughs> I mean, people were complaining before, you know, when they added the two SEC games that oh, South Carolina doesn't get to play Arkansas this year. We've got, and I'm like, now you look and you're like. Mm. Maybe we maybe we did well having to add uh Auburn and or adding uh L, what LSU and Ole Miss or whatever this LSU and Auburn or whatever it was. It's like well, I think the draw's not that. I don't know if I really want to play Arkansas this year. I'd rather play a no. struggling Jimbo Fisher Texas A&M team. Let, let me get them instead. So yeah, yeah. Sam Pittman Sam Pittman's doing an incredible job. But yeah, man, Alex, always a pleasure. I would say a successful episode three hundred, my friend. We will uh. Do it again next week, hopefully talking about another big Gamecocks W. But until then, man, appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, buddy. Yep. As always, he's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up Show.